All right, we're going to start a new series today called Abnormal, an invitation to a better way of life. And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we as followers of Jesus are called to be abnormal, different, and let's be honest, maybe even a little bit weird. I know that's hard to get your mind around because we spend so much of our lives like trying to be normal, but, but here's the reality. Just think about it. As a follower of Jesus, you're a beloved son or daughter. You have the spirit of the living God living inside of you. You've been raised to a new life. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. The Bible tells us that you are a foreigner, or a stranger in this world. You've been empowered to represent the kingdom of heaven. You are an ambassador of heaven. You've been called to an entirely different way of life. You're called to be abnormal, different, and weird. The problem is, is we try so darn hard to be normal. We want to be like the world. We want to think like the world. We want to talk like the world. We want to fit in with the world. We let the world define truth. We let the world tell us what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, what's significant and what's not. We let their standards become our standards. But here's the deal. You don't want to be normal. Some of you are like, yes, I do. No, you don't. Do you know why? Because normal in the world is brokenness, death, and destruction. Jesus offers you a life of faith, hope, and love. That's why Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. In other words, he says, you have heard it said that this is normal, but I offer you a better way of life. That's why Isaiah 55, he says, my thoughts are higher than your ways or your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. They're different. They're better. In fact, Colossians 2 it says, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it, do you still submit to its rules? In other words, he says, you don't even belong to the world anymore. Why on earth are you trying to fit into it? I mean, I, I remember being a kid and I remember all the time when I would see my friends and everybody was doing something and my parents wouldn't let me do it. And I would go and I'd say, well, everybody else is doing it. And what was their response? If everybody else jumped off a cliff, would you? Right? Well, depends what kind of cliff we talking about here. You know, or I would say, hey, like Billy's parents are letting him do it. Well, if you want to do what Billy does, you can go live at Billy's house because see, you got that same speech I got, right? Because in this house, we don't do that. Okay. I think that's what we do with God. We say everyone else is. They all get to. And God says, but you're not everyone else. And in this family, we have a better way of life. Maybe it's time to stop trying to fit in because God has called you to stand out. He's called you to be abnormal. What's normal for the world should be abnormal for us. And what's normal for us is abnormal for the world. This is why Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world press you into its mold. Do not try to be normal. Do not try to align with them. Instead, be transformed. Be different. Because I offer you a better way of life. And so what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to take a look at the book of James. So if you got your Bible, turn with me to James. James is towards the end of your Bible. And what James does is he gives us a great run of what it looks like to be abnormal. Maybe let me say it to you like this. He gives us some great instruction on what it looks like to be normal in the kingdom of God. And so I want to set this series up for you as we look through the book of James over the next few weeks by just helping you understand like who James is and where he's coming from. See, James is Jesus's little brother. 
Can you imagine what your life would have been like if Jesus was your older brother? I'm just saying, if your big bro is the Messiah, the savior of the world, that's just a tough gig to grow up in, man. He never does anything wrong, never talks back to mom, never sneaks out. He gets everything right. So James flat out didn't like Jesus. And you say, well, where am I getting that from? Well, in Mark 3, it says, when his family heard of it, they went to Jesus. They said, he must be crazy. James thought his own brother was crazy. And not even that, James or John 5, 7, 5 says, even his own brothers didn't believe in him. James didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And yet when Jesus dies and rises again from the grave in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, it says, then he appeared to James. The resurrected Jesus went out of his way to appear to his little brother. And when he showed up to his little brother, everything changed. You see, it's a reminder that you can be right next to Jesus for years and completely miss it. It's also a reminder that the moment you have an encounter with the resurrected Christ, everything changes. Because James goes from not even believing to becoming the leader of the first century church. And so what he does is he writes us this letter. He's writing to believers and here's his starting point. His starting point is the assumption that you've had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. His starting point is that you've received the grace of Jesus and now he's just writing to tell us how to now live in the truth of Jesus. You see, James gets right into it. It's super practical and he just kind of says it like it is. Like, do you have a friend that just has no filter and says it like it is? That's James. You know that person that you're hanging out with in a group of people and they just say something and everybody looks at him and says, did you just say that out loud? And their response is, what? It's true, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you do that. You're the one in the circle and we're all thinking, we can't believe you just said that, but you did. Okay, that's James. The book of James has very little bit of encouragement sandwiches. You know, you know what encouragement sandwiches is? Lots of encouragement, little bit of correction, lots of encouragement. Okay, Paul, he is the encouragement sandwich king. You guys are awesome. You should change this, but you guys are awesome. That's Paul in the Bible. James is like, change it, bro. <laughs> Why? Because his assumption is you've had an encounter with the grace of Jesus, so he's now teaching us how to live in the grace of Jesus. So he doesn't spend a bunch of time on the front end talking about grace. He's assuming you've already met the resurrected Jesus. So what James is doing is he's speaking to our spirit. He's speaking to the renewed nature within us, and he's calling forth who we already are and saying, in Jesus, this is now how you live. And his entire point is you should be different. You should be different from who you were and you should be different from the world around you that faith should lead you to action. So here's the question as we start this series. Is your life different from the people around you? Would the people around you say that you are abnormal, different, maybe even a little weird? Because let's be honest. It's weird to love your enemy, to tithe, to serve, to live with faith, hope, and love, to lay down your life, to live with peace and joy. That is abnormal in this world, but that is normal in the kingdom of God. 
So what we're going to do for the next few weeks, each week we're going to take one big idea that James gives us that's normal in the kingdom of God, but that is very different from this world that we live in. Okay? You with me on that? Okay, so we're just going to jump right in. James chapter 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. That's about the extent of the encouragement you are going to get. Here's the truth. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and, com- may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Pause. If you ever hang out in church, you hear that verse used all the time out of context to say storms are coming in your life, but it's okay because God is with you, right? That's a great application of it and it's true, but look at what he says right after it. He says, your life is full of challenges and opportunities. So verse five, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God because he will generously give to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all he does. James comes right out of the gate and he says, life is hard, but God is good. And in the midst of the challenges and opportunities of your life, you should flow in the wisdom of God. That's what he's saying. He's saying in the midst of all the challenges and opportunities in your life, we should live by the wisdom of God, not the ideas of man. In other words, what he's saying is how you make decisions should be very different from the people around you. You see, what I want you to understand is that the normal Christian life desires the wisdom of God. The normal Christian life desires the wisdom of God. Like, here's the question. What do you do when a storm shows up in your life? What do you do when that trial never goes away? How do you deal with the obstacles that you have to navigate? What do you do when a great opportunity shows up? You know what James says? He says the first thing you should do in the midst of the unknown is ask God for wisdom. And let's be real clear here. All wisdom comes from God. Wisdom does not come from Instagram. You know that, right? As you're scrolling through Insta, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you like to do, like just just know that's cool stuff, but that ain't wisdom. Wisdom does not come from the guys in the locker room. Wisdom doesn't come from the girls from the office at Girls Night Out. Wisdom doesn't come from Google searching your question and whatever answer it gives you back. That does not mean... Because it popped up number one on the list does not mean wisdom doesn't come from the latest self-help book that can't stay on the shelves because everybody's buying it. The world looks to those places for wisdom, but we look to God. In fact, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. The Bible tells us, but the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world. See, we're different. And so let's be clear together and start it. Let me tell you what wisdom is. Wisdom is simply a heavenly perspective in earthly circumstances. That's wisdom. It's a heavenly perspective in earthly circumstances. Wisdom chooses to have God's perspective. Wisdom applies God's truth to life. Like in Matthew 4.17, Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You've heard that verse maybe before, repent. We get so stressed out about that word, it means to change your thinking. But break it down. Re means to go back. Pent Think penthouse top floor view. 
So what Jesus is telling us, repent, go back and get God's perspective of life. Look from heaven to earth, not from earth to heaven because that's wisdom. So I 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. In other words, wisdom lives from the spiritual to the natural, from the superior to the inferior. Wisdom is having God's heart on any situation in life. That's all it is. And Proverbs 8.11 tells us, for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Like, do you remember the story of King Solomon? Solomon is David's son, King David, one of the most famous guys in the Bible. And Solomon takes over for David when David dies. And he's a young man. He's got this giant kingdom, this huge throne, all of these treasures. And he's ruling all of these people. And he has no idea what to do. And so one day God shows up and asks him a question. First Kings 3, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Pause. Are you kidding me? How would you respond to that question? Right now, wherever you are in your life, if God just walked in and said, hey, what you want? How would you respond? Listen to what Solomon says. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of my father, David. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. In other words, I got no idea what I'm doing. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart, wisdom, to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to lead all these people? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for wisdom and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administrating justice, wisdom, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor there will ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Are you kidding me? God says, what you want? And Solomon says, give me wisdom. And it so pleased the Lord that not only did he give him wisdom, he gave him everything else. You say, why? Because wisdom teaches you how to steward finances, authority, relationships, honor, influences, possessions. You say, what? Yeah. It's wisdom that empowers you to use stuff to glorify God and serve people. Foolishness uses stuff to come against God and hurt people. And so I tell you that story because every one of us in this room, we're like Solomon. Like right now, somewhere in your life, you have a challenge or an opportunity and you don't know what to do with it. You're not sure. Maybe it's how to fix your marriage. Maybe it's how to raise your kids. Maybe it's how to deal with your money. Maybe it's how to navigate your future. Maybe it's how to get out of that trial. Maybe it's what to do with that opportunity and should you move and should you join that team and all, and you don't know. And what the world will tell you is the world will tell you, well, do what everybody else is doing. The world will tell you to, to follow your feelings, to listen to your heart. The world will tell you, do whatever is best for you. That's foolishness, man. That's why James says, no, the people of God ask for wisdom. And God's just waiting for you to ask.
See, what's so cool about the story of Solomon, you understand that's not like a unique experience to Solomon. Jesus is in this room right now and he's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? You say, John 15, Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my father's glory. In other words, Jesus is saying to you right now, what what you want? Maybe we can learn from Solomon and take his advice and ask for wisdom. That's what James is saying in verse five. He's saying, if you lack wisdom, just ask for it and God will give it to you. So here's my question. Have you ever asked God for wisdom? Like whatever's happening in your life right now, whatever challenge or opportunity that is right in front of you, have you stopped and said, God, I need your wisdom on that thing? Because if not, my question for you is how on earth do you navigate the complexity of life? See, this is one of the greatest promises in the Bible. He promises that if you ask him for wisdom, he will give you an abundant supply of it. (laughs) But you have to desire something before you'll ask for it. Because God won't give you what you don't want. You with me on that? And what I think is so cool about this story is when Solomon asks for wisdom, do you know what he's really asking for? He's asking for Jesus. You say, how? Because 1 Corinthians tells us that Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus isn't wise. He's the wisdom of God. He is wisdom personified and he shows us what wisdom is like. And when we get Jesus, we get everything else. That's why Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not then in him give us all things? When you ask for Jesus and you get Jesus, you get blessing, you get health, you get healing, you get wholeness, you get victory, you get authority, you get all the things and you know how to steward them and use them to glorify God and serve people. So when we ask for wisdom, you know what we're really asking for? We're asking for the fullness of the life of Jesus. We're asking that we would see the world through the finished work of Jesus. So do you desire wisdom? It's the first question. Second thing I want you to understand is that the normal Christian life not only desires wisdom, it seeks the wisdom of God. This is what James is telling us. He's saying you can't just desire it, you you actually gotta seek it. That's why verse five, it literally says, if any of you lacks wisdom, if you desire it, then ask for it, like go and seek it. So listen to these verses. Let me just read these to you because man, they just stand alone. Proverbs two, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as if it was a hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds victory in store for the upright. Proverbs three, blessed is the man who finds wisdom, the man who gains understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her, to those who lay a hold of her will be blessed. Proverbs 4. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding, esteem her and she will exalt you, embrace her and she will honor you. One more, Proverbs 8. Choose my instruction instead of silver 
knowledge rather than choice gold, for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. By me, kings reign and rulers make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. With me are riches, honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the path of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me, making their treasuries full. Okay, that's all right. I'm not excited about it. Do you catch that? Here's what the Bible tells us. Wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom and you'll find everything else. Get wisdom and you'll find finances and resources and health and honor and authority and integrity and strength and victory and long life. Literally says, get wisdom and you'll get everything else. And I know some of you are sitting here and that stresses you out big time. Because that messes with your theology. I'm just reading you the text. You see, the reason if you get wisdom, God can give you all those things is because now you know how to use them to glorify God and serve people. There are a whole lot of things in life that God can't give us because we don't have the wisdom to steward it. He actually wants to give you everything I just read in those passages. You may not believe that, but that's what he tells us. He actually wants to give you all that stuff. The problem is, is we don't have the wisdom to steward it always. So he can't give us something that we will use to hurt ourselves or to hurt the people around us. So could it be that we are often unhealthy in financial struggles and live defeated lives because we've never sought wisdom? Now, I'm not saying if you have a problem in your life, you're not wise. I'm just saying I don't know that we seek wisdom the way the Bible tells us that we should. And so I don't think we get the results that says we'll come with it if we do. But this is an interesting question. If I told you right now that there was a million dollars somewhere hidden on our campus and if you find it, you can have it, what would you do? You would tear out of this room so fast right now. Okay. Why don't we seek wisdom like that? See, here's an interesting reality. You came in here today seeking something. Like, what are you seeking? We're all seeking something. You seeking money, a relationship, success, significance, a breakthrough? I don't know. What are you seeking? Here's what that tells us. It says, seek wisdom, because if you get wisdom, wisdom releases everything else in your life. Wisdom teaches you how to make money. We spend all our life running after money. Do you understand how dumb that is according to the Bible? That's strong, but just go with me today. Why? Because if you get wisdom, wisdom teaches you how to make money and keep it. If you get wisdom, wisdom teaches you how to have innovation. If you get wisdom, wisdom teaches you how to have relationships. Wisdom releases all things. If you go get wisdom, wisdom not only gives you blessing, it teaches you how to keep your blessings. Come on, you know how many people find money but lose it because they don't have the wisdom to steward it? You know how many people you know that find an amazing relationship but can't keep it because they don't have the wisdom to steward it? You know how many people that find an amazing opportunity but squander it because they don't have the wisdom to use it? Are you catching me here? 
Like, here's the question. If right now someone said to you, you could have a million dollars or have wisdom, which would you pick? Don't answer the question. Because I don't want your church answer. Which would you pick? Your answer to that question tells us the current level of wisdom of which you operate. Because if you get wisdom, in wisdom's right hand are riches and honor, and in her left hand are long life and prosperity. And so what do we need to do? We need to seek it. So in Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We have to actually position ourselves for it. And you say, well, how do we do that? Three ways, and I want you to write this down because if you're serious about seeking wisdom, this is how God gives it. First is through the word. 2 Timothy 3.15, remember what you were taught from your childhood, from the Holy Scrolls, which can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus. The Bible is the wisdom of God. And when we engage the scriptures, it gets inside of us and it changes us from the inside out. If you want wisdom, he gives it through the scriptures. Second way he gives wisdom is through godly relationships. Proverbs 13, 20, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. If you will build relationships with other godly people in this room, God will give you wisdom through their life. He takes the wisdom he's put in them and he pours it out through them into you. And the third way is by walking with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will be your guide. Ephesians 1 tells us his name is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The Holy Spirit's name is literally the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you walk in a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he will show you wisdom and he will give you wisdom. See, here's what's fascinating. Wisdom flows through relationships. It flows through your relationship with the word, your relationship with the other people in this room, and your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's how God gives it. So you can't say you want wisdom and yet never engage the scriptures, build relationships with other followers of Jesus, or ever talk to the Holy Spirit. Are you okay? Are you with me? I'm pushing a little bit, but it's because we're called to be abnormal. See, see, this might stress some of you out here, but here's the deal. We have overemphasized education and underemphasized wisdom. We overvalue education and we undervalue wisdom. For some reason, we have bought into the world's belief structure, because this is the world's belief structure, that get an education, preferably on scholarship, and everything in your life will be awesome. Okay. You understand you can be educated and foolish or you can be uneducated and wise. And if we're not careful, we'll raise an entire generation that is highly educated and yet highly foolish. I mean, you, have to, you have to really think about this for a second. And I know some of you that starts stressing you out, but think about this, wisdom is not learned. Wisdom is received. Education is cognitively taught and cognitively learned. Wisdom is spiritually released and spiritually received. That's why you can be uneducated and profoundly wise. Now, hear me. I'm not saying education is bad. Education is great. But wisdom will teach you what to do with an education. How many people have a profound education and yet have no idea what to do with it? 
Wisdom is God's heart on any situation. And when you have wisdom, it will teach you how to use that education to release the kingdom of God, glorify God and serve people wherever you go. So parents, maybe you came just to hear me ask you this one question. Are you as interested in your child's wisdom as you are in their education? And you say, well, what do I do with that? Pursue wisdom for yourself. Because wisdom will teach you how to give your kid wisdom. Student. Are you growing in wisdom or just in information? This stuff matters, guys. And this is why I care about our kids' ministry and our student ministry and our whole church. I want to raise up a generation of people who are walking in the wisdom of God. And wisdom will make you go get an education and then use that education to get influence in the world so you can bring the kingdom of God and live out your purpose. Are you hearing me on that? I mean, do, do, you, remember, do you remember the story of the Queen of Sheba? she's this to this worldly queen she's got this giant kingdom and she comes because she hears of Solomon's wisdom who we just read about let me just read this to you first Kings 10 says when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord she came to test him with hard questions she heard about all this wisdom Solomon answered all her questions because nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw it with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told to me in wisdom and wealth. You have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your men must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who delighted in you and placed you on the throne. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and spices and precious stones. Oh my goodness. I don't have time for this. That passage literally just... Understand this. Here is a worldly queen who hears about the wisdom of Solomon. She leaves her throne to come experience that wisdom. And she is so blown away by the wisdom of God. And notice everything it says, details, man. Not these big spectacular details. His cupbearers and the food on the table and how he ran his team. Details. The little things. And she's so moved by his wisdom that it says she comes to see his wisdom and she leaves praising God. An ungodly queen heard about the wisdom of God and came to see it and left as a follower of Jesus. Two things I want to, I could do this passage for three days with you. Two things. Don't worry. I don't have time. It's running out fast. So roll with me. Wisdom is attractive. Wisdom is attractive. She came all the way across the world because wisdom is attractive. She wanted to see it. First Kings 10, 24 says the whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Wisdom is so attractive that people will come from all around the world in order to see it. Why? Because wisdom reveals the goodness of God to a lost and dying world. Wisdom shows the world a better way. That's what it is. Wisdom creates an environment where people can thrive, so they're drawn to it and they want to be under it. Wisdom empowers you to speak the language of faith, hope, and love. Wisdom demonstrates the kingdom of God. That's what wisdom does. It literally puts the kingdom of God on display for all people to see how good our God is and how available the realities of heaven are to us. 
You see, as followers of Jesus, we have to remember that the whole point in life is not to just survive and make it through this thing. We're called to rule and reign with God. We've got to have a bigger mindset about what we do. And what we do is we've deduced wisdom. We think wisdom is for two things. We think wisdom is for a heartbreaking disaster and a big decision I don't know how to make. That's about the only time most of us think about wisdom. Your life blew up, you're desperate, you need some wisdom, or you got a big decision. Should I move, take this job, whatever? You need some wisdom. Those are the only times we think about, okay, that's great, but it's so much more than that. God gives us wisdom to destroy the works of the devil and release the kingdom of God. So hear me. We're called to take wisdom into business, into healthcare, into education, into media, into entertainment, into technology, into sports. We're called to take God's heart on that topic everywhere we go. And when you seek wisdom, what happens is he starts giving you wisdom. He'll give you a new product. He'll give you an innovative solution. He'll teach you how to manage your team in such a different way to get productivity that no one's seen before. He'll give you solutions in healthcare. He'll give you breakthrough in education. And all of a sudden, because we're demonstrating the kingdom of God, the world takes notice of that wisdom, is drawn, comes to ask about it, and they have an encounter with Jesus and leave praising him. That's wisdom. The world thinks the church is foolish, judgmental, and isolated. We're called to be the wisest people on earth because we have been offered the wisdom of heaven to share it with people who are stuck in the darkness of hell. And we think wisdom is for a big decision or when my life blows up. It's to be sought at all times in life. Are you with me on that? It has nothing really to do with the fullness of this message, but man, that makes me excited. And I hope it gives you a picture of a bigger way of life. Second thing I want you to see in that is she left her throne for wisdom. She humbled herself, traveled halfway across the world, inconvenienced herself, and gave a whole bunch of gold to get wisdom. Here's my question. What are you willing to do? Are you willing to leave your kingdom for wisdom? Because make no mistake about it, you have a kingdom. You have a little throne that you sit on in your world and it runs in your orbit and you control it. You are comfortable in it. You know how it works. The question is, is are you willing to leave it to get wisdom? Are you willing to inconvenience yourself? Are you willing to engage the scriptures, build a godly relationship and actually listen to the Holy Spirit? Humility attracts wisdom. The older I get, the more I want wisdom. Unless I care about everything else because I know wisdom will teach me how to do everything else. You hear me on that? Yes. Come on, you hear me on that? Yes. Okay, and then the last thing, and we don't really have time for this, but the normal Christian life responds to the wisdom of God. At the end of the day, if you want wisdom, just decide that you're gonna respond to whatever God says to you before he even says it. If you really want wisdom, just decide, say, God, whatever you say, I'm gonna do it. The answer is yes, what's the question? Because have you ever given somebody counsel and they didn't do anything with it? Ah, somebody's like, oh, yeah, like, come on, man. It's like, literally, you're like, what am I doing here? Okay. I think God, man, if he felt, he, woo. This is what James is saying in the rest of the passage. He's saying, don't be double-minded, man. He's saying, don't ask God for wisdom and then decide you're not going to do anything with it. You're like a wave chopping around in the ocean. Like you got no direction. You're double-minded. You become unstable. Just decide you're going to do it before he even speaks it to you. 
Wisdom is a treasure, so God only gives it to people who will steward it. And if you're faithful with a little bit of wisdom, he'll give you more. Wisdom leads to wisdom. Foolishness leads to foolishness. You understand, Solomon is the wisest man on the face of the earth, and he lost everything through foolishness. How is that even possible? Because he stopped using the wisdom he had. However you use the wisdom you have today reveals how hungry you are for the wisdom you have yet to been given or yet to be given. And so here's the question that I just want to ask you. What have you done with the wisdom that God's given you? Like what's the last thing he told you and what did you do with it? Our problem is, is we want selective wisdom. I want God to speak to me about this, but not that. Like, like I need wisdom in my job, but kind of stay out of my finances. I need wisdom for my family, but please leave my calendar alone. Like selective wisdom. But you have to understand wisdom doesn't work like that. It applies to all areas of life because it's God's heart. And once it's revealed to you, you now have to make a decision. Do I want to follow his way? Or do I want to be normal? See, isn't it interesting that we'll trust God with our salvation, but not with our daily life? Isn't it interesting that we'll give him eternity, but not today? Here's one. Isn't it interesting that we'll give him our soul, but not the moments of our life? Why? Because we think we have a better way. So it's pride. And maybe one more, because we know what God's going to ask us to do is abnormal. And we don't want to be different from the people around us because we so desperately want to belong to something that we'd rather belong to a community of darkness that has no idea where it's going than to walk free as an individual in the kingdom of light. And guess what? You're never an individual in the kingdom of light because he puts you in a family and a community and a bunch of other people that are doing it different too that inspires you to keep moving forward. You with me on that? Oh, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know that James tells us that whatever challenge and opportunity in your life, if you would just ask him for wisdom, he promises he'll give it to you. Wisdom will make you stable in an unstable world. It will give you light in the midst of a dark world. It will give you hope in a disappointed world. It will give you freedom in a world that is stuck in brokenness. And maybe you're here and you've made a lot of bad choices in life. That's okay. Today is the day to receive the wisdom of God. The wisest thing you will ever do is invite Jesus to overtake your life. And my hope is, is that we, as the people of God, we should be known for our wisdom. It's the spirit of wisdom that unites us together. So may you, may we, live with such a level of wisdom that like King Solomon, people come from around the world to see you, to see us, to see how we live, and they leave praising Jesus because we live a better way, because we live in the freedom of heaven, which is the wisdom of God. So close your eyes with me. One simple question for you. What does God want to say to you today? Whatever challenge or opportunity that's in your life, maybe right now, let's just do what James tells us to do. Can you just say, God, I need some wisdom. 
whatever that thing, whatever that issue, just God, I need some wisdom. And he promises he'll give it to you. But you know how he gives it? Through his word, through godly relationships, and through the Holy Spirit. So maybe today make a decision to say, God, I want to seek wisdom. I want to position myself for that answer that you promise you're going to give me. And then maybe choose to respond to some wisdom he's already given you. Maybe there's something he's asked you to do recently, something he's pointed out in your life. You kind of brushed it off. Maybe today is the day to say, God, I'm so serious about living different in this life. I want all of your wisdom and I don't really love it over here, but I'm going to do it anyways because I don't want to be normal in this world. I want to be free in the kingdom of God. So Jesus, would you just release the spirit of wisdom over us today? Fill every person with the hope and the healing and the direction that they need. May you raise us up to be people who want and steward the wisdom of God. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.